0: Your next stay. Find a stay for any you when you book direct at ChoiceHotels.com where travels come true.
1: As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner.
0: Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wooted.
1: But be careful because the worst trips result when two partners
0: have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze Americano! Gene, huh? oh! run! Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com.
2: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Dowdy. And today we are starting a new series, a super series, if you will. Yep, it's on the Medici, and we're hoping that we're going to be able to connect it back around to our series on Elizabeth, specifically through Mary, Queen of Scots. So you can just puzzle on that one for a little bit and see if you
1: can figure it out. We're starting today with the Pazzi Conspiracy, a dramatic event that shook the city of Florence and also transformed the Medici's most illustrious family member into the man we know, Lorenzo the Magnificent.
2: So this is a suggestion from listener Nicolette, who really tantalized us with her description. She wrote, this plot consists of conspiracy, murder, betrayal, and a serious dose of retribution. So, So if you're ready,
1: we're just going to dive right in. Since we'll be spending a lot of time with the Medici family, we wanted to give you a little bit of background. So, you probably know them as patrons of the arts, as well as Machiavellian game players, wealthy bankers,
2: men of the people, but... um, Originally, they were Tuscan peasants. Yeah, despite their later alliances with great royal families and their great wealth, they aren't noblemen, they're bourgeois. And they come to Florence sometime in the 12th century and make a fortune over the next 100 years. Um, they work their way into becoming one of the city's leading families during a 1340 Depression, which bankrupts most of the rest of the city's elite. Um But there are a few lines of powerful Medici, and the one that concerns us today rose to power in the late 14th century with Giovanni de' Bici de' Medici, who inherited this great business of banking and cloth manufacture, silk manufacture. And his son is Cosimo, who helps politicize the family. And Cosimo's grandson is Lorenzo, and that's Lorenzo the Magnificent, and he's the guy we're talking about today.
1: So young Lorenzo is not so great at actually running the bank, but he's good at politics and he's been bred to rule the city of Florence along with his brother and co-ruler, Giuliano. So Florence is a republic, but the Medici have control over it through allies in the council, some very
2: wise marriage matches, and some underhanded payoffs. That's as what well. they're really good at. Underhanded payoffs. They're not warriors. They they make things happen with bribes, with money. Um, Encyclopedia Britannica and the historian Francesco Guicciardini says that Lorenzo's regime was that of a benevolent tyrant in a constitutional republic. Plus, he's good at Keeping bread prices low, having lots of uh lots of festivals and parties, things yeah, that Florentine's bread like, and circuses. Bread and circuses. It's key. He's really good at that. But to me, this sounds like an awfully good way to breed resentment among your peers. And oh, Sarah, you are so very correct. We
1: need to take a look
2: at our conspirators,
1: the people who have such resentment against Lorenzo de' Medici. The Pazzi family is a great rival to the Medici family, and they would really like to see them fall, frankly. Lorenzo has been messing with the Pazzi family anyways. There was a woman who was supposed to inherit a great deal of money, and he maneuvered it in such a way that it was actually her cousins and not her that ended up with it. So, there's And some- her, her Pazzi
2: husband. Well, and there's some, there's some personal stuff in there, as, as well as money stuff. So we have Francesca de Pazzi, who is plotting a coup against the Medici, against Lorenzo, who co-rules with his brother, Giuliano. It's interesting, though, the Pazzi patriarch is not part of this plan, even though we have this thing, it's called the Pazzi conspiracy. The patriarch isn't is an important. important Pazzi is not wanting to do this. He, he only agrees to go along with it when he realizes that if they go ahead with the plot, he's going to be implicated regardless, so he might as well join in, try to make it happen. And the Pazzi have some very powerful
1: allies, namely Pope Sixtus IV. Since the Pazzi Bank has assumed the business affairs of the papacy, this is, again, another beat that the Medici and the Pazzi had together, because the Medici controlled most banking stuff except for this.
2: And the Pope has his own personal beefs, too, along with his nephew, Girolamo Riaro. Um, and that's, that has something to do with the fact that this is, this is a Pope who has tremendous interest in temporal affairs. And he's trying to consolidate the power of the papacy. And uh, the Medici are not helping very much. In fact, they're thwarting him.
1: And also on the ecclesiastical anti-Medici side, we have Francesco Salviati Riario, who was the Archbishop of Pisa, but Lorenzo wouldn't
2: recognize him, so burn Archbishop. So yeah, so far we've got the Pazzi family, the Pope and his nephew, the Archbishop, to bring in one more major conspirator. We have Federico de Montefeltro, and you'd recognize him if you saw his picture, uh, the famous dual portrait painted by Piero della Francesca. He's got this ridiculous hooked nose. You, you definitely, like, just Google his name, you'll find him. Um, he commits 600 troops to this, uh, this conspiracy effort, hoping to bring down Medici control. And that's, we should make it clear here that this isn't just a plot against the two Medici brothers, the two co-rulers. To make it actually happen, and to really seize control from the Medici family, a whole big thing is going to have to happen. But before these armies can come in and unseat
1: the Medici rule, bum, 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 two men must die. So
2: here's our plot. Lorenzo de' Medici is a pretty reckless dude considering his powerful position in Florence one of the few things that he agrees to though to to protect his own safety is that he rarely appears in public with his brother and for this plot to work both of the brothers need to be attacked and killed at the same time you go after one of them and the other gets wind of it he's going to lock himself up in the medici palace and you're not going to see him for the next year but pope sixtus the 4th despite being invested in this plot, isn't too keen on anyone being killed. According to a later confession from one of the conspirators who pulls out at the last minute, Giovanni Battista, who's the Count of Montesecco, who's also a mercenary, um, Sixtus says... In no case will I have the death of anyone. It is not my office to cause the death of a man. But, you know, he's Pope. He's got to say something like that. At least to have it on record. Well, and, and what does he? Good. Yeah, what, what does he think is going to happen? If you're trying to take down the Medici family, you've got to have the two brothers fall. There will be blood. So in the lead up to our Easter of
1: 1478, our conspirators start trickling into Florence kind of one by one. They're going to play it by ear, see if they can contrive some kind of an opportunity for them to do what they need to do. And bring the brothers together. Well, and kill them, and then seize control of important parts of the state and rally the people to their cause. So Lorenzo seems pretty clueless about what's going on. He's not noticing all the strangers that are coming into town because lots of people are coming in for all the Easter festivities. And he's feeling like things might be thawing because his enemies are being really friendly to him.
2: Yeah, he's welcoming all these men who are secretly plotting to kill him. Um, he's welcomed Montseco to his home, the mercenary. Um, he's he's done such a good job. Lorenzo is such a. Such a game player that Monteseco is even having second thoughts because he's he likes him so much. Um, he's invited and welcomed a kinsman of the Pope, Raffaele Sansoni Riario, who's the newest 17-year-old cardinal. We should say this Pope was um, pretty big into nepotism. So, you know, maybe things are okay with Sixtus now, too. Maybe Maybe the papal relations are thawing. And he's entertained
1: arch-conspirator Francesco de Pazzi at his own home for a pre-Easter luncheon, along with the Archbishop of Pisa. So he's thinking, all right, great, you know, maybe
2: things are good with Sixtus, maybe things are okay with the Pazzi, things are looking up. Yep. So the plotters, though, are decidedly more freaked out than their intended victims. Lorenzo might not really understand what's going on, but the the plotters are getting nervous, mainly because, like we said, it's hard to get Giuliano and Lorenzo together, and they're scrambling to make it happen. Uh, The luncheon would have been a pretty good opportunity to assassinate the brothers, except that Giuliano cancels at the last minute because of an eye infection. So the archbishop, you know, trying to quickly stage a second get-together, uh suggests that the medici brothers show them all their finery at their florentine mansion. <laughs> Sarah, you should come see my gold in yeah, my apartment. Lay sunshine. out your gold and <laughs> silk and I'll I'll come over. Um so, you know, the Lorenzo, okay, that sounds like a good plan. But before it can happen, he goes ahead and invites all the guests in a real gesture of goodwill here, invites them all to attend mass with him the next morning. And here we go. This is our opportunity. Both of the Medici brothers are going to be together at Easter Mass. Time for a murder. But Montesecco pulls out saying, you know,
1: no way am I going to kill someone in church at Easter Mass. Just think about that for a second. And his replacements are two disgruntled priests. So let's set the scene. We are at the Duomo on Easter morning. Lorenzo has walked to church arm in arm with Cardinal Raffaelli, and... He's swept up, greeting friends as soon as he arrives, and winds up standing about to the right of the altar, and priests with daggers position themselves behind him.
2: Giuliano, again, is a no-show. Remember, he was sick the day before with this eye infection. She should have stuck with the eye infection. I know. It could have been a little worse for him. So... Francesco de' Pazzi and another conspirator, Bernardo Bandini, go to collect him from his home. And you've got to wonder what they say to him to make him get out of bed with his eye infection and go to church in the morning. But they convince him. And on the walk to the cathedral, Francesco even puts his arm around Giuliano and says, your illness seems to have made you fat. He's really checking for armor, Giuliano. So, like, (laughs) if your friend does this to you, beware. Lesson. Please remember. So they arrive
1: at church and Pazzi and Bandini position themselves behind him. So we've got the priest behind Lorenzo and we've got Bandini and Pazzi behind Giuliano.
2: And the Duomo, it's real chatty and loud. Everybody's having a good time, but everyone gets quiet right at the bell before the elevation of the host, which is the agreed-upon signal for the conspirators. Right when that happens, the attackers strike. And Bandini is the first to strike. He hits Giuliano, shouting, Here, traitor! Pazzi begins to strike him as he falls, slashing so much that he cuts his own leg. Giuliano sustains 19 wounds.
1: Lorenzo's too far away to see any of this happening to Giuliano, but... Obviously, everyone can hear it. And one of the priests grabs Lorenzo before he actually tries to strike. Lorenzo shakes him off, whips around his cloak to dodge the blow and grabs his own sword, although he gets nicked in the neck.
2: And the Medici friends immediately surround Lorenzo, whisk him off to the sacristy, which is secured by these massive bronze doors. Bandini keeps his head in all the chaos that's starting to happen and pursues Lorenzo, knowing that if Lorenzo doesn't die too, this whole thing is not going to work. And in his pursuit, he runs through one of Lorenzo's friends with his sword, and he gets to the sacristy right as they're bolting the doors to protect Lorenzo. So Bandini flees town. Patsy, who's hurt, limps home and and retreats, just knowing the whole thing is is lost and probably that he's a dead man. And the priests scurry out into the, the streets and alleyways. The crowd is panicking. Some people are shouting that the dome is
1: falling. We couldn't help thinking of chicken little. Lorenzo's friends fear that he's been poisoned and Antonio Rodolfi actually sucks the wound to try to get this phantom venom out of it. It must have been quite the sight at the church that day. Yeah.
2: But the murder and the murder attempt at the cathedral are just one piece of this conspiracy. And at the same time, the archbishop and the Perugian men intend to seize Palazzo Vecchio, which was an important seat of the government. And it would be, you'd have to have it if you were about to take control of Florence. But the Medici allies there are suspicious. The archbishop turns out not
1: to be a very smooth talker. They figure some things up and there turns out to be a scuffle inside the palace. The Archbishop, of course, was supposed to secure the Palazzo Vecchio. We know that hasn't happened. And the next part of the plan was for the Pazzi Patriarch to come and rally the people. But when he comes riding into the square to, you know, join them and rally everyone, no one listens. Yeah, it's made very clear that the people support the Medici.
2: Yeah, he's shouting these old, uh, cries for Florence and the people are just shouting cries for the Medici. But there's one catch about supporting the Medici. The Medici still have to be alive, and people aren't sure if Lorenzo has survived this attack. But he has. He's been spirited
1: home by an armed guard, and he sends a note to Milan for help. Milan, at this point, is ruled by a regent whose husband had also been killed in a church. I don't know why everyone is killing people in churches. And he appears to the people from his window, appealing for reason and calmness, but... The people want vengeance.
2: So we're going to give you a rundown of what happens to some of the major conspirators in the following days. The Perusians who are locked up in the Palazzo Vecchio are thrown from the window alive, one by one, and die on the, on the steps. Francesco Pazzi,
1: who is seriously injured, is dragged from his bed, almost torn to pieces in the street, and then hanged naked from the Palazzo Vecchio's window. The archbishop is
2: also hanged from the window in his ecclesiastical robes. And there's, I guess, an urban legend, kind of, that he bites Francesco de' Pazzi on his way down, which, wow, you know, I don't know what else to say about that.
1: (laughs) So we just won't and we'll move on. There are 70 executions and lynchings over the next few days. Body parts start piling up in front of the Medici house. And Lorenzo kind of stands on the sidelines for everybody, except his sister's Patsy husband. He intervenes for him.
2: Yeah. Old Patsy is hunted down, captured, also hanged from the window, and his body is exhumed twice. Exhumation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our favorite theme. (laughs) Kids drag it around the city, and it's
1: eventually thrown into the river. The priests are found hiding in the monastery, and their
2: noses and ears are cut off before they're executed. And Montseco the mercenary who pulled out at the last minute. He cooperates, confesses, and for his pains gets to be beheaded instead of hanged from the window.
1: Bandini escapes to Constantinople, but that is not far enough. Lorenzo has the sultan send him home, where he is also hanged from the window. One year
2: later. So, guys, it's Pope time. He's really angry, but he can't punish someone for not dying in a plot. That's not a really good way to go after Nothing. Lorenzo. And also, he's in an awkward position. Basically, everybody knows that the Pope sanctioned this plot, but they can't say it because he is, after all, the Pope. So he's looking for a way to punish Lorenzo, and he finds one um, for the lynching of the archbishop in his ecclesiastical robes, which made it doubly bad, apparently, on a Sunday. The archbishop should have been subject to ecclesiastical courts, not just... Hanged from the Palazzo window, biting people, no less,
1: <laughs> Lorenzo's in a tight spot, and at first he says something along the lines of, "You know, okay, I, I will give myself to them, but the people take pity on him and say, "No, you know, no, we love, we love the Medici, so instead, he decides to make this peace gesture to the Pope by returning his nephew, Cardinal Raffaelli, who's been held hostage to maintain his popular support while at the same time he hopes he'll be appeasing to, the Pope. To
2: take the upper hand. The Pope, though, is really not grateful about this very nice gesture. Lorenzo is excommunicated the next day, so clearly uh, Sixtus is, is really angry about this whole thing. But
1: the Pope's problem is with the Medici and not with Florence and the people of Florence. So he hopes to wear the city down through a war of attrition with his ally Naples'
2: army. Eventually, he's hoping that the people of Florence will get so tired of the countryside being pillaged and just all the the problems of war, a a war that stretches on for two years, that they'll, they'll get sick of Lorenzo and they'll decide to stop protecting him. He
1: also wears them down spiritually by placing the city under interdict, which suspends public worship and threatens Florentine souls. There are all kinds of of rituals and and religious ceremonies that you aren't allowed to perform if you're under interdict. It's
2: kind of the equivalent of excommunication, except for for a city. city. Um, but this doesn't work very well because it's not just the, the Florentine public that support the Medici. The Florentine priests are behind them as well. And they say, nope, you know, we're worshiping anyways. And this is, this is an important thing for this city and countryside that's about to go into war for the next two years, that they have their religious solace. So the war stretches on for two years, as we've mentioned,
1: and Lorenzo isn't a soldier, so he's not very good at this. He's also got way too much on his plate. He's ruling a city, he's dealing with business affairs, and he misses having his brother and co-ruler around as well. He also starts to uh, nip at the public money funds, which is something that will haunt him later. So
2: eventually he realizes enough is enough. He, I mean, he's probably starting to realize that with um, the threat of plague on Florence and, as we said, two years of this war of attrition, he's probably not going to be able to count on the support of the people much longer. So on December 7th, 1479, he decides he'll go to Naples since he's the guy who they have a problem with. This is a bold move because the king of Naples is a sadistic guy, but the two of them talk and they start working out some slow negotiations. I think Ferdinand, the the king, is pretty impressed that, that Lorenzo would even show up, or at least, um, if not impressed, taken aback by it. Um, and eventually, They come to peace, and Lorenzo returns in triumph, and the Pope is forced to give up his vendetta without the army of Naples to support it. So Lorenzo comes out of the Pazzi conspiracy with
1: his worst enemies dead and the unquestionable support of the Florentine people. And his brother Giuliano turned out to have had an illegitimate son, Right before he was killed, Lorenzo raises the boy, Giulio, as his own, and he grows up to become Pope Clement VII.
2: So this is the start to our Medici series. It's the the event that made the man who kind of makes the family...
1: And look forward to our next episode on Girolamo Savonarola. And in the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about the papacy, you can come to our homepage and look for the article, How the Papacy Works, at www.HowStuffWorks.com.
2: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the Stuff You Missed in History Class blog on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage.